0: Our scripture for today comes from the Hebrew Bible and the book of Leviticus, if any of you would like to open your Bible, so your Bible apps will be in chapter 25, verses 2 through 5. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, in six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their yield. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete Rest for the land. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit says on this day. I just want you all to know how excited I am, we've started Lent. <laughs> I thought of the idea of In the Garden last October, and I have literally been thinking about this since last October, and to see it all come to fruition, and um, all the research I did for the Sunday School curriculum, the music is more profound and meaningful than it's ever been, so I hope that you'll participate in that, and. Hannah does such a beautiful job taking my ideas and my words and making them uh, moving. And I I just, I don't know, I'm overcome with how wonderful everything is. (laughs) But I hope you all think it's wonderful too. This section of Leviticus, I have to confess, I hardly ever preach from Leviticus. As most of you know, it's a, a book of rules and laws for the Hebrew people how they live and work together, uh, their guidelines for community. But this uh, chapter 25 is called Holiness in Land Ownership. I think that's interesting. Do we see land ownership as having a holiness about it? In the larger section, it leads to the year of Jubilee. And so we, we heard in the scripture today about the six years and the seventh year you take a rest. But seven of the seven-year cycles leads to the 50th year. And that year is the Jubilee year, which in cultural practice means all debts are forgiven, uh, slaves are set free, those kinds of things. So it's it's a really big deal, this cycle of uh, growth and Sabbath that leads to Jubilee And so it moves the concept of Sabbath that we talk about so often from our individual selves to this bigger idea of the earth. It's an interesting concept that we don't really think about much because most of us are not farmers. We're not caught up in the cycle of the soil that produces for us. But it moves our relationship with creation from us simply using it for our own benefit to having a sense of holy responsibility. As Genesis proclaims, we are caretakers of all of God's creation, and we are reminded here in Leviticus that that is a holy responsibility. Uh, One of the things that I read preparing for this season uh, was a magazine article about indigenous populations and early cultures and their relationship with the earth. And one of my favorites was a man who was researching into his family history and discovered that he was descended from the Mayans. And so in that research about his genealogy, he discovered that these strange family things that they did, that his family passed down from generation to generation, held holy spiritual significance. One of the ones that he tells about is how his grandfather, whenever they would gather as a family and have a toast, his grandfather would pour the first drink on the ground and give it back to the earth. Well, he just thought it was a family habit and tradition, but it actually went back to this Mayan understanding of the earth creator being holy and the relationship between the people and the earth. This beautiful, beautiful practice that had been passed down suddenly held such significant meaning. For most hunting and gathering and early populations, Their whole lives were tied to the earth, the cycles of rain and snow and heat, and there was a lot of prayer about those things. The harvest festival, with the abundance of food, is significant because they know they're going to make it through another winter. We are so thankful, I mean, the last two weeks have really taught us how thankful we are that we have sort of separated from nature, that we have contained our environments and we can control them. Um, We have heat and we have light and we have water, all of those things. But in doing so, in separating ourselves from creation, we've also lost this sense of wonder and holiness that connects us to the earth and the cycles of the seasons. When Leviticus was written down, the Hebrew people may not have understood about nutrients in the soil or overproduction that we know in Oklahoma led to the Dust Bowl, but they somehow discovered that leaving the land fallow for just one year led to greater crops the following year. The Sabbath year for the land allows the soil to rebalance its nutrients, to break cycles of pest and disease, and it gives a haven for wildlife. And on the seventh year, they were instructed just to let it go and let it rest. And as a result, what they received the next year was more abundant than they had seen. One of the beautiful things about this seventh year of rest is that anyone who came across that land could um, feed themselves from the things that were growing there that weren't planted, but maybe the vines had produced grapes every year, and since nobody was pruning them and harvesting them, anybody that needed them could go by and eat. When the vines were not cut, they were there for everyone. That's a part of the story I don't want you in the scripture to miss. By letting the land have the Sabbath, it moved the 10% that they give back to God to 100% for anyone who came across the property. So I am not a gardener, I've never been a gardener. My dad grew up with this huge garden on the property where he lived, and so he he's from New York. When you say New York, everybody thinks of Manhattan, but they actually lived on 200 acres uh, in upstate with a mountain on one side and a hill on the other and the stream that was filled with melted snow. It was so cold if you put your hand or your foot in it, it would ache from the cold. And they had a garden larger than all of the property that I have around my home. And when we would visit there, all of the grandkids, we would run up and down the garden and eat those pea pods. Oh my gosh, I've never tasted peas so good, straight out of the garden. And we would eat and eat and eat whatever we could find until my grandmother yelled at us and ran us off. So my dad, having come from a background with this abundance right out the back door, he tried to garden in Oklahoma. I'll never forget it. He tilled up all the soil. He put railroad ties around the edge, and he tried to get my brother and I involved in this. And we planted all these things. Well, you know, the Oklahoma August sun came and it all, we didn't have any irrigation. It all died, except for the carrots. For some reason, what was happening underground still happened. And they were the ugliest, nubbiest, gnarliest carrots I've ever seen but oh, were they wonderful, because we had grown them in our backyard. And so my yearning to be a gardener, I hope that when I retire, I'll have time to maybe do that. And so I actually, signed up for the Southwood Garden Center newsletter, and it comes every month and gives me all these great tips on gardening and taking care of my yard. (laughs) And I read it, but I don't do anything else with it. (laughs) But um, this author, Paul James is his name, he wrote about how much he loved the bones of the garden in the wintertime. I'd never thought about loving the garden in the wintertime, and so he talked about, in the winter, you can see the real structure of what's happening in your yard. You're not distracted by the leaves and the flowers and the work that you do. That, that You can see the skeletal structure. And he talks about how it's a good time that if you wanna change the pattern of your yard, that winter is the best time to do it. He talks about how we should add a visual interest for winter, suggesting, of course, bird feeders, and that you get to watch all the birds in the winter eat. I don't know about you, but I've been putting birdseed in my backyard as much as I could the last few weeks. And so he talks about uh, putting planters for color, adding evergreens, and providing more structure to the bones of the garden. And so this article reminded me of language in home remodeling, where you talk about how the bones of the construction of a home are solid. And so you can do cosmetic changes because the bones are good. My husband and I have bought a lot of houses and remodeled them and lived, unlike those people on TV, we lived in the mess the whole time we were doing it. And, uh, and so we kept buying a house and then buying a little nicer house and, then, and we'd spend years in construction. And the whole idea that the bones are good really is something that resonates with me. And so, Maren Morris, she released a country song in 2019 that she called The Bones, and she used this metaphor of the bones of a house, but instead she talked about sturdy relationships and how it doesn't matter about a lot of the little things if the bones of the relationship are strong. And I thought, wow, that really translates to our spiritual lives as well. When the bones of our spiritual lives are strong, we can remain faithful when the trials of our lives uh, could sometimes um, send us to our knees. One of the things that is required for us to have these strong bones is this idea of Sabbath time. In In the Bible, we hear constantly about Sabbath time. It's required of us to replenish and strengthen our souls It helps us develop strength in our relationship with God and with God's creation. It removes our worry and our stress, and it allows us to breathe deeper and to relax. And since Pastor Charlotte just got to have some Sabbath time, I asked her to give a little witness to what that was like. And so I have a little video of her.
1: It had been a long time since I'd taken a pause. So I like to refer to the Sabbath discipline uh, as taking a holy pause. My experience of the two months that you gifted to me faith uh, was much like hibernation. I kind of just went into my own interior world for those two months and and came out understanding so much more about myself. In fact, I would say that my experience of uh, time off sabbatical leave time for renewal however it is that we refer to it Um, it it was it was much like winter in that I, i know that what was happening inside of me was interior maybe underground that roots were going deeper that foundations were getting stronger and i remember in december checking out a book from the library it was henry nowens the genesee diary and it is just what it sounds like. It is his daily or every other day entries of his time, seven months that he spent in a Trappist monastery. You see, early in ministry, on discovered that he was going too hard and too fast, and he needed some time to slow down. He needed to take a holy pause. So he was given um, entrance into a Trappist monastery, and there he observed their rhythms of work and rest and prayer silence and in the background what you'll notice is my dog has now found his toy (laughs) but now it's experience of that really aligned with my own it helped me remember some things that I had I think I have forgotten and uh, I wrote in my own journal after reading Nowin's journal and so I want to share what I wrote because I think it reflects uh, my experience of Sabbath rest Nowen's reflection about a relationship with God speaks truth with what I have known in days past, but perhaps forgotten. Mystery opens the soul. Obedience teaches vulnerability. Identity given by God provides a grounding that others can't take away. There is no formula, no set time frame. God will be God in God's own way and in God's own time. So I think I see winter in a way that I couldn't have before. It really is a time for resting, for allowing the ground to be nourished by snow, by cold, for seeds to uh, germinate underneath the ground. And, and then that work that happens during the season of winter bears great fruit in the spring and summer. So I'm really looking forward to our Lenten journey this, this uh, season Faith. I'm really looking forward to learning to allow what has happened in winter to bear great fruit in the spring.
0: I love that Jackson's in the background. It makes it so real. Right? Yes. So, this Lent, we are inviting you to consider the holiness of your connection to God and your connection to creation. We invite you to spend time in reflection about the cycles of the seasons and how constant they are. And I never in a million years, when I chose this scripture weeks ago, had, would have thought we would have been on sort of a unintentional Sabbath time, <laughs> that we'd all be stuck at home for a couple of weeks. But the reality is that instead of being frustrated by how, behind we are and all we have to do maybe we should just breathe deep and think about how beautiful this gift um, of real winter in Oklahoma that is so rare and how it allowed us to take a pause winter or the resting season of our lives is one where roots grow deep and pruning happens for those things that need to go And there's a lot of good things that we have in our lives, but that doesn't mean we need them all in our lives. Pruning can happen to good things as well, to make room for you to have Sabbath time. Without the rest, the bones of the garden grow weak and overgrown, just like the bones of our faith can grow weak without being tended properly. I know that this whole year has felt like a long Lent, We've sacrificed relationships. We've sacrificed eating out, is the one I probably miss the most. Uh, We've sacrificed gathering with friends and people outside our immediate family. We've sacrificed having Sunday school and small groups and things in person for the health and welfare of each other and people we will never meet. And it feels like we've asked you to give up so much That we are not asking you to use these 40 days of Lent to sacrifice yet another thing. Instead, I ask you to build up and strengthen the bones of your faith by adding something. And it could be that you add Sabbath time, rest. Maybe you want to read your Bible or have intentional prayer practices. Maybe... Just taking a walk outside and making that connection to creation be something in your life. Whatever it is, find the thing that works for you. That gives you a moment to breathe deep. To pause. To let God speak to you. Because so often, we're so busy talking, we're never quiet enough for God to have a chance to speak into our lives. And so without intentionality, our faith can buckle under the pressures and the weights of our life. And I, I thought when my dad had a stroke that this would be hard. And then this last week, he came home and we celebrated all of the small triumphs. And I can't remember the last time I spent so much time with my parents uninterrupted by living in their home for a week. But it was necessary, and when it's even though it was hard. But then we found out that one of my closest family members has been diagnosed with cancer. And I thought, oh, now's not a good time for that. <laughs> and, and then my uncle D called yesterday sobbing because his new grandbaby that was six weeks old has double pneumonia. And they were life flighting him to Oklahoma City from Broken Bow. And my mother shook her fist at the sky and was like, God, we can't take any more. And then I talked to my daughter, and she said her father in law was at the hospital and needed emergency surgery. And the woman that is my friend, who is a clergy person outside of our conference, who I consider my pastor, she called to check on me. And she'd been in the hospital this week, and it just felt like one thing after the next and the next, in literally 48 hours, when I already thought I was at my limit. But one of the things that I know is the bones of my faith are strong, and I will not buckle. And when I have in my life, over the years that I have lived, felt alone or isolated or like I just couldn't do it by myself, that's when I have felt the closest to God. And so I ask you to commit to intentionality to build up the strength and the bones and to plant deep roots so we can lean into the one that loves us and strengthens us when life becomes too much. The one who calls us to Sabbath, rest, and renewal. The one who, in Genesis, says after six days, took a day of rest. And in Leviticus, literally, a whole year of rest for the land. And if the land needs rest and God needs rest, I don't know what makes us think that we do not. And so I hope that you make it a priority in your life to seek Sabbath time. Amen.